Anastasia and this is Cozy Corner, a place for me to talk about life and feelings and art and anything else on my mind. So grab a drink and get cozy and we'll begin. me and I'm back. This is my third episode. Is it my th- it's my fourth episode? Fourth episode and we just surpassed a thousand streams on Spotify alone. So thank you so much if you're one of those people. Well you are one of those people because you are listening to this now. But thank you so much for caring and for listening to me and still this podcast remains such a joy for me and I'm just so grateful that you are here to listen to me ramble basically. I know I start every episode like that but I really 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 do mean it so thank you for being here. I hope everyone's okay and I hope that you're having a good week so far. I've kind of had a bit of a lazy week. I've not really been in the mood to draw or anything and I know I have loads to do but I'm doing the minimum each day that I have to do work-wise. I know that sounds weird but you know when you just can't do anymore so you just have to do the stuff that you have to do, get all your life admin done, your work admin but that's all I can manage at the moment. I've been having like a pretty bad chronic pain week and also a kind of weird thing that's happening in my life right now is my eyesight is getting so bad. I do wear glasses but I keep having to get a new prescription and I'm actually going for a test and a scan tomorrow to make sure everything's fine. (sighs) I'm pretty scared about it but I'm just telling you this here so hopefully you can send me some good eye vibes and make sure that my eyes are going to be fine because obviously I draw, I use my eyes every day and The idea that there might be something wrong is pretty scary. Anyway, I know that was just super honest and real, but I just feel like I have to share that with you. Um, When you share something like that, it does kind of get a bit easier to handle. So that is what is going on for me at the moment. I also just hope everyone's doing okay. We are, what is it? How many days in? Let me check. 27 days into the year at the moment. And I just hope you're not being too hard on yourself if the year is not going as you hoped it would. All kinds of things can happen and it's not always how we want it to be but just know I'm thinking of you and I'm here for you even if it's just here in your ears rambling away. So this week's podcast I'm going to ramble about something a little bit different. I asked you on Instagram what you'd prefer a Q&A or a like unsolved mysteries type thing so I'm going for the unsolved mysteries because I love unsolved mysteries. When I say love as well, I mean no disrespect to any of the families that are missing these people or that are still waiting for answers. I just love these cases because they are so strange and there could be so many outcomes, but also because I, of course, want them to be solved and I want to find a resolution to them. Um, And maybe me sharing this here will make you more aware of these cases. So I just want to start by saying that. I want to go into this with kind of just a disclaimer like full respect to these families and these are all really sad cases and by talking about them here I want to highlight them not to make light of them. Also while we're here doing the disclaimers I would just say that 
In this podcast, I will discuss some dark things, and obviously these are very sad cases and in some parts maybe disturbing. So please be aware of that, and if that's not your kind of thing, you can leave now. Come back next week and listen to another podcast or maybe listen to an older one. So all this information today I've gathered from Wikipedia or Reddit, and I'm basically just reading you through the Wikipedia pages of these cases. I haven't put this information together myself, I've just edited it, so I can't take any credit for that. Um, All credit to Wikipedia, which is amazing and free, so that's what uh, my source is here. The first case I'm going to talk about is the case of Lars Mittank. He is a German man who disappeared on the 8th of July 2014 near Varna Airport in Bulgaria when he was 28 years old. Lars was vacationing at a resort where he was involved in a fight and was unable to fly home with his friends for health reasons. He was seen acting strangely while alone in Bulgaria and days later disappeared into the forest around the airport. So let's get into Lars's situation here. On the 30th of June 2014, Lars Mittank travelled to the seaside resort of Golden Sands in Bulgaria on a vacation with friends. On the 6th of July, Lars got into a fight with four other men after a disagreement over rival football teams. The fight resulted in Lars suffering a ruptured eardrum. At the end of his trip, a doctor advised Lars not to fly due to his injury, and he was prescribed antibiotics and later referred to a hospital by that same doctor. Lars's friends wanted to stay with him, but he insisted he was fine on his own. Lars stayed in Bulgaria without his friends and checked into the Hotel Colour Varna. However, a day after his friends left, he began to act oddly and his erratic behaviour was recorded by the hotel's CCTV. He only spent one night in the hotel, during which he appeared paranoid and frightened. While staying at the hotel, Lars called his mum, whispering. He stated that four men were coming to kill him and that she should cancel his bank cards. Lars was last seen at Varna Airport in Bulgaria. He was consulting with the airport doctor when they were interrupted by a man who was a part of a construction crew. He then fled the building and was captured by airport security cameras running away. I'm so sorry if you can hear a dog barking right now, but this is my neighbour's dog. Okay, let me backtrack slightly. So Lars fled the building, the airport, and was captured by airport security cameras running away. Once outside the airport, he was seen climbing a fence, running into a meadow and disappearing into an adjacent field of sunflowers near a highway. He has not been seen since. I just think this case is so sad. Lars had this fight, he had an injury, and then something happened between that time to make him have this episode at the airport. I will say now, if you're listening to this podcast and you can, go Google Lars Mittank. His name is spelled L-A-R-S-M-I-T-T-A-N-K. I'll write the names of each person featured in this podcast in the description, by the way. There is the actual CCTV footage of Lars in the airport, and I watched it for the first time um, when I was researching for this podcast, and it's just so disturbing because he's there, and then he just runs off, like sprints off as if he's seen a ghost or as if he's in danger. I just wonder what happened to Lars within this short space of time. So on the 30th of June, he travelled to Bulgaria. And then on the 6th of July, just a week later, he was in a fight. And then the 8th of July is when he was last seen. 
There's something so heartbreaking as well about someone going on holiday with friends and having a great time and it becoming such a horrible trip where Lars himself was missing. I don't know, this case, just reading through it and watching the video really gave me the chills and it's so sad that Lars has never even been found. Not a body, not living, not anything. If I was part of his family, I would just constantly wonder why he ran away, what was in his mind and what was he going through. I'd love to know what you think about this and please respectfully leave your ideas like in an email, in the comments on YouTube, whatever you want. I think there's a way where we can discuss theories while still respecting the person. Um, I don't want to say victim because we don't really know what happened. But it's just really, really sad. And I hope, Lars, wherever you are, that you are safe, basically. Okay, we're going to move on to another case now. This one is slightly longer. I want to talk to you about Rebecca Coriam. Early on the morning of the 22nd of March 2011, Rebecca Coriam, a 24-year-old British crew member on the cruise ship Disney Wonder, was captured by CCTV in the crew lounge, having a phone conversation that appeared to be making her emotional. A few hours later, she went missing, and she hasn't been seen since. For a little bit of background about Rebecca, in June 2010, she went to London to interview for the Disney cruise positions, so it's basically a cruise ship organised by Disney. After being hired, she went to the company's theme parks in Florida for training and then started working on the cruise as a youth worker, maintaining contact with her family throughout this time via Facebook and Skype. On the 21st of March, she sent what would be her last message to her parents, saying she called them the next day. Rebecca's mum replied, but then grew worried when 12 hours went by without a response. At 9am that morning on the Wonder, that's the cruise ship name, off the coast of Mexico, Rebecca had missed the start of her shift. She was not in her room or anywhere else on the ship and did not respond to being paged over the ship's public address system. A review of CCTV footage found one appearance of her, timestamp 5.45am. An early, unverified account from another crew member claimed she had gone overboard at 3am, nearly three hours earlier. So that means this person claimed they had seen her go overboard, but... Three hours later, she was seen on the CCTV. At this point, I was like, hmm, something is fishy here. In the CCTV footage, Rebecca is talking on one of the ship's internal phones in a crew area. She appears distraught. A young man walks up to her and appears to ask if everything is all right. Her mouth can clearly be read to be saying, yeah, fine, after which she hangs up the phone. She then walks away, pushing her hair back and putting her hands in her back pockets, mannerisms that her parents say were common for her. There has been no record of her presence anywhere since then. The crew searched the ship for her. The US Coast Guard and the Mexican Navy searched the international waters through which the cruise ship had been sailing through during the hours in which Rebecca could have gone overboard. They found nothing. Mike and Anne-Marie Coriam, Rebecca's parents, were flown out from England to meet the ship when it returned. They met the Bahamian detective investigating the case and said he told them that he had spent only one day on board investigating before flying back home. The detective also told them that he had interviewed only a few crew members and none of the passengers. Rebecca's parents claimed that Disney kept them in a car with blacked-out windows and brought them on board via a little-used side entrance, after all the passengers had disembarked. 
The Wonders captain gave his condolences and expressed his theory that Rebecca had been washed overboard by a wave while at the crew pool, a theory that Rebecca's parents doubted due to the high walls around it. After that, Rebecca's parents were taken to a meeting with Disney executives and the woman Rebecca had been speaking to on the phone. On the day before the first anniversary of Rebecca's disappearance, her father received an email from a woman who claimed she had seen Rebecca with a dark-haired man on the street in Venice the previous August. The woman had said that she was 85% sure it was Rebecca, and seeing the family's website had roused their memory. Rebecca's uncle said, It was just an email, but it seemed legitimate. It was very upsetting for everyone to think she could be out there somewhere after all this time. He wondered how she could have got there without her passport, which had been among the belongings her parents had recovered from her quarters. In October 2011, journalist John Ronson took the wonder along the same route and made discreet inquiries while aboard. Several crew members spoke to him anonymously. They suggested that more was known about her fate than Disney or the Bahamian police had publicly admitted. Crew members who spoke with John Ronson insisted that Rebecca had gone overboard from the crew pool. One of them said, Disney knows exactly what happened. Everything here is taped. There's CCTV everywhere. Disney has the tape. Since Rebecca was not found on the ship despite a thorough search, investigators concluded that she went overboard, possibly as a result of a rogue wave. Rebecca's family and their lawyer say they never received a copy of the final report as they were promised by the Bahamian police. A crew member told John Ronson that the call was taped. Several other crew members believed it was with a romantic partner. One of them said, She was in a relationship and there were problems and it was upsetting her. It was a very, very intense relationship. It was great and then it was awful. I can't think of any other reason why she'd have been upset and wandering around by herself at 6am. On the anniversary of Rebecca's disappearance, her parents told the Liverpool Echo that they heard the names of a young woman and older man on the ship mentioned as possibly being involved in a love triangle with Rebecca and called for them to come forward. They also disclosed that they had heard Disney had sent some additional footage to the FBI for enhancement but could not say what that footage might contain. Rebecca's parents recall her personality as constantly cheerful and upbeat, traits that got her the Disney job in the first place. When her parents visited her quarters after the disappearance, they found passes she had obtained for them and her sister to visit Disneyland Paris, a gift trip she was apparently planning to surprise them with on her next break at home. These plans, as well as the continuing Facebook exchanges with her mum, argue, for them, against suicide. <sighs> so another really, really sad case and such a mystery. I have so many questions. Why were the Bahamian police so negligent and didn't really investigate this um, to the extent that they should have done? Why were Rebecca's parents treated in that way? Do Disney have the tape? I feel like, no disrespect to Disney fans, but Disney's such a big organisation that they could hide things from people and they could have a lot of power over kind of what they control in these kind of big cases because this kind of case... Oh my God, I just said kind of 50 times. I hope you didn't notice. This kind of case is so high profile and could potentially make them look really bad. I also find it interesting that so many people had different ideas of what went on. 
For example, her parents don't think it was suicide. Someone else says she's very upset because of a romantic relationship. There's this rumour about a love triangle, this rumour about seeing her in a different country. It's just all... I don't know, there's a lot of information here and we probably will never know, sadly. I don't know, this just boggles my mind, this case, and I find it super interesting in the least morbid way possible. Okay, we're going to finish up now with the final unsolved disappearance case. I'm going to talk to you about Asha Kramer. Asha Kramer is a missing Australian woman who disappeared on the 21st of September 2015 when she was 26 years old. Asha disappeared in America, so she had dual citizenship with Australia. She had been awake for five days, suffering a mental health crisis, and had been released following a psychiatric evaluation. While eating breakfast with her boyfriend and a family friend in a cafe in California, she headed for the bathroom. She was following her friend, but the friend soon found out that Asha had disappeared. So, a little bit more information about Asha here. Asha Kramer had been living with her boyfriend in Albion, California, for three years when she suffered a mental health crisis. She had never previously had mental health issues. However, after being awake for four nights and shouting incoherently, she was taken to the Medicino... Medicino? Please don't be offended by my bad pronunciation. Medicino Coast District Hospital in Fort Bragg, California, on the 20th of September 2015. Asha was so resistant to having her vital signs taken prior to a mental health evaluation that the police department were called. In the end, she was released without evaluation or treatment to her boyfriend and a childhood friend. After Asha's release, the group drove south toward Point Arena, stopping at the Rollerville Cafe in Flumeville. At 9.30am, while they were in the cafe, Asha's friend got up to go to the bathroom. A few seconds later, Asha decided that she would also go to the bathroom and followed her friend, although the friend was unaware that she was behind her. When the friend returned to the table, Asha's boyfriend told her that Asha had followed her to the bathroom, but the friend said she never saw Asha in the bathroom. Investigators believe that Asha never entered the bathroom and wandered off instead. At the time she disappeared, she was barefoot and dressed in black skinny jeans and a grey hoodie. She left without money, bank cards or ID. She also may have left her phone behind, though that is debated. Asha's jacket was subsequently found discarded on the side of the road nearby. After the disappearance, there were vague reports of Asha. According to a spokesman for the sheriff's office, she supposedly returned north to her Albion home and retrieved her German shepherd. A surfer at an area south of the cafe also apparently saw her at about 3pm on the day she disappeared. As of April 24th, 2018... Asha's mother reportedly still travels back to California from Australia every few months to look for her daughter. It has been reported to the sheriff's office by Asha's family that Asha may have taken an assumed name related to a reported mental health incident in the days before her disappearance. So I looked into this case a bit more and this is a really weird, I don't know, eerie part of the tale, I guess. I found a little post on Reddit and three years ago on the Unresolved Mysteries subreddit, which is great by the way, someone shared Asha's case and an account called Throwaway Cali Coast left a reply. The reply says, Some people don't want to be found. Leave be at peace. Bless you all. 
AK Lily Lovewell. The AK could stand for Asher Kramer. Lily Lovewell could maybe be Asher's new identity. That really got to me because she seems to have been going through such a hard time. I feel like Asher was failed in some ways by the system where she was. The doctor shouldn't have just let her go because she wasn't um, compliant. Like if she wasn't well, she should have got the help that she needed. She was obviously super vulnerable this time and I don't know, just that Reddit little snippet. It might not be true, it might be someone doing a sick joke, but what if that is Asha? It's also heartbreaking because I think about Asha's mother and having to travel back all the way from Australia to America and just not having any closure, not knowing what happened to your child. That must be impossible to deal with. And I really, really hope there's some kind of resolution to this case and all the cases I've mentioned and every unsolved disappearance or mystery. This one just always seems to stick with me. I don't know why, it just... There's so many questions and so many possibilities and I just hope Asha is safe, even if she's living as Lily Lovewell right now. That was my three little unsolved disappearance cases for this week's podcast. I know this was a bit different, but I hope you enjoyed it. I really enjoyed reading them to you. And like I said earlier, if you have any theories, if you have any ideas, information, anything like that about these missing people, leave me a little comment on YouTube or email or whatever you want, because I'd be interested to hear your thoughts on this. So to round up this little podcast, I have to give you a few bits of information. Of course, your prompt is here every week. I'm giving you a little prompt. Today's prompt is what comes next. I want you to think about what's coming next in your life, in the year, anything, just what is next for you. And this week's shout out, I have a bit of explaining to do with this week's shout out, but I recently watched a series. It's on Channel 4, you can watch it online for free in the UK. And it's also going to be or is on HBO. It's called It's a Sin and it's about a group of friends that basically go through the HIV AIDS crisis in 1980s London. It's beautiful, it's heartbreaking, I sobbed like I've never sobbed before and it's a really important part of gay queer history for everyone to learn about. So first of all I recommend you check that out and second my shout out for this week is the Instagram account The AIDS Memorial. So The AIDS Memorial basically collects stories of people that lived or are living with HIV or AIDS and stories from families, people they have loved and lost and experiences of people that were part of that AIDS crisis, sadly. I think this is such an important part of history so I think the more we learn about them the better and the AIDS memorial is such a touching, personal, just outstanding Instagram account. You really will learn so much and you'll see these people as multifaceted not just people who had AIDS but people that had AIDS but also had people that loved them so deeply and had beautiful partners and had beautiful expressions of their creativity and uniqueness and yeah the AIDS memorial is my little Instagram shout out for this week. I've decided I'm going to do 10 episodes so six more and that will be the first series then I'll take a little break and have a second series which will also be 10 episodes and I'll continue doing that until you're bored of me, which hopefully is never, but <laughs> I will keep making these podcasts. But I just wanted you to know, 
10 eps, then we'll have a break, then another 10, and so on. Okay, that is me done for today. I really hope you enjoyed this, and let me know if you did enjoy it, because those messages make my heart feel so lovely and warm. Please stay safe, and be kind to each other, and I will see you soon next week for another little catch-up. Bye for now.